0: Today is also our Legacy Hope launch day. That's our uh, Christ Legacy ministry that uh, that is specifically designed to network across our foster care and adoption care community here at Christ Legacy and within our community. And so I'm so excited to be able to uh, share this ministry with you. And I'm excited to see this uh, getting off to a great start. Uh, our lineup today—we've got such a big lineup today—it's—it's it's pretty amazing. In just a few moments, we're going to welcome uh, Dana Goins to the stage to share uh, all that God has laid on her heart about her personally and the ministry uh, here at Christ Legacy and how you can get involved. But before we go any further, I want to welcome Pastor Jamel Crawford to the to the uh, uh, pulpit. As he comes, I want to share with you, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too much into your testimony, Pastor Jamel, but uh, he's been at Oklahoma uh, District Assemblies of God as the Compassion Director, and I am excited to have him. He's been there less than a year, and before that, he planted and founded uh, the Dream Center of Des Moines, so we're so excited to have you. He's homegrown here in uh, Oklahoma right, bef- uh, right after he moved here from Brooklyn. <laughs> that, that's a really cool connection, but... I want you to help me welcome one more time Pastor Jamel. Love
1: you, bro. Thanks. Well, good morning. I'll come on all three of you. Good morning. Hey, I, it's a privilege just to be here, just to share for a few moments. And uh, first of all, I think it'd be uh, fitting that we just show our appreciation to Pastor John and Claudia. Let's give it up for our pastors. Amen. Thank you guys for saying yes, and, uh, and uh, what a blessing. And uh, my family and I moved here from Des Moines, Iowa. So this 23 degrees is nothing. So this feels like summer to us, you know what I mean? So uh, you're from Des Moines, Iowa. But my wife is not feeling well this morning, but three of my kids are here. Well, all three of my kids, three of my kids. <laughs> uh, so Jace, Jacoby, Journey, y'all go ahead and wave, y'all wave, y'all wave. Yeah, yeah. They were looking forward to Kids Church, but we'll have to come back and visit. And, um, and uh, my role as the Compassion Ministries Director, I'm here in Oklahoma for the Assemblies of God, is simple. It's to serve and to resource our pastors and churches in reaching the least, the last, and the lost. Uh, being intentional and encouraging our churches to be active and uh, looking for needs within our community and begin to meet the needs in our community. As a matter of fact, I want you to understand that it is urgent. Everybody say urgent. I think about urgent, when I think about in Des Moines, Iowa, there is uh, an event called the Drake Relays. And the Drake Relays, they have athletes, they have colleges um, that come from all around the world that come and compete in the Drake Relays. And one of the races that I really enjoy watching is the actual relay races. And uh, what I enjoy about the relay races is not always the, well, the well-conditioned athlete or the most fastest. It's typically the team that wins is the team that's successively or efficient in passing the baton. As a matter of fact, you know, because once you drop the baton, you are disqualified, what I learned about the Drake relays, though, is that in, when the athlete is exchanging the baton, it's called the exchange zone, and the exchange zone is only 20 meters. What it tells us that is not very much time. There's not much distance when you have to exchange the actual baton. And so, so why I mention that is because the, the poor, it's urgent that we as the church is intentional. Hey, the passing of the baton, there's not much time. We have to be intentional in being um, showing compassion to the least, the last, and the lost. As a matter of fact, this morning, early this morning, um, I got up, I was praying, and I had a friend, Will Keeps in Des Moines, Iowa, who started a, a, an organization called It Starts Right Here. It's helping students who dropped out of high school to get back into school and, uh, and do it through music, things like that. And if you haven't heard, in Des Moines, Iowa, a few days ago, there was a, a kid that walked in, murdered two kids, and the, uh, the owner, um, or the, uh, Will Keeps, he was also shot. And uh, he's recovering well. God man, kept him. Uh, he's a brother in Christ. And, uh, and he understands. I talked to him, I texted him and said, hey, I'm praying for you today. I texted him like four days in a row. Let him know. I know he was in a hospital recovering. I said, hey, I'm praying for you. And he actually called me probably about five this morning. And I said, are you up? I was like, I'm up, man. You was on my mind and my heart. And he began to share what happened that day, but he said, man, I can't wait to get out the hospital because it is urgent that we begin to reach the youth in Des Moines uh, so they're not shooting each other, but, man, they would have purpose in their life. And so I I know there's not like that stuff in Oklahoma City per se, but I, want, I, hope, I tell the story to help us to understand the urgency of reaching the least, the last, and the lost. And I'll, I'll close with this because my five minutes is long gone. (laughs) And uh, uh, I think about Matthew chapter 14 and uh, before the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus heard about his cousin, heard about John the Baptist being beheaded. And it says, the Bible tells us that he went to a solitary place, that he was trying to get away. And as he was getting away, uh, he had every excuse to keep on moving. But it says, the Bible tells us that he saw a crowd. And when he saw the crowd, it said that he had compassion. The compassion that he has for his people led to him to stop. And the Bible tells us that he did miracles, that he did healing to the people there. Jesus had every reason, every excuse not to stop. He had every reason to keep on moving. He was probably um, uh, in sorrow of hearing that his cousin had passed. But yet, he said, the Bible said he had compassion. So why should we have compassion? Because Jesus has compassion. He had compassion on us. And so we are to model. We have the example to model compassion for those that are lost, the least, and the last. And the cool thing I want to say to uh, Christ's legacy, I'm mean, I so happy to hear what you're doing with foster care and adoption care. Um, that is huge um, that you guys are stepping up and saying yes um, to doing something to meet that need in our state. And y'all going to hear from Rebecca later on here, um, who's doing a phenomenal job through Backyard Orphan, one of our partners, the Sims of God, has partnered with Backyard Orphan. Circle of Care has a table out there as uh, a great partner, as well as 111 Project with Careport. So there are so symbols of God working with churches across Oklahoma to meet that need. And so I am so proud that Christ's legacy is leading uh, and de- leading the efforts in meeting that need in our state. And so I'm excited uh, to be here in Oklahoma. I look forward to what God is going to do um, through Compassion Ministry, what God is going to do through churches like Christ's legacy to continue to reach the least, the last and the lost. God bless you.
0: I'm so grateful and thankful that the district has the the vision for Compassion Ministries here in Oklahoma. And... I want you to know that our church is a part of the leading edge of compassion ministry throughout our district. And as a matter of fact, I believe we're one of the, not the first, but we're one of the first churches to launch a compassion mission that's connected to foster and adoption care. And so we can be really proud of the effort that Christ's Legacy, you uh, are helping us make the impact in our area. And we're going to have one of the largest and most successful uh, foster and adoption care uh, ministries in our area because of everything that we're doing right now. Amen. 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 Wow. I'd like to invite Dana Goins on the stage as she comes. I want to share with you that Dana is the wife of pastor Bobby Goins and she has four beautiful children. And I don't want to tell any of her story because part of her story is why she is here today. But I, I want you to know what a blessing, that, uh, uh, that Dana, you are to Christ's legacy. You're absolutely Jim. She has such a wonderful heart and uh, she's got, uh, she's got uh, uh, just, um, I can't wait for you to hear her vision for Legacy Hope. Would you help me welcome Dana? Thank you so much. Well, hello church,
2: hello church family. Testing, there we go. Woo, they really got me on. (laughs) It's so good to be before you today, and I'm so humbled to be able to be up here. Um, I don't, he mentioned that we do have uh, four children, and all of our children are adopted through foster care, and um, they are my heart and the reason why I'm so passionate about foster and adoption ministry. Um, so that, that's kind of kind of our start. Um, I'm so excited that we're going to be doing Legacy Hope, that we're going to be doing something to reach out to our families within our church and outside of our church. Um, it really gives us a good stepping point for outreach and for ministry. Um, so what do we want to do with Legacy Hope? Number one, we want to reach out to our current foster and adoptive families that we have within our church. We wanna be able to minister to them. We wanna be able to come alongside of them. We wanna be able to support them. You know, being a foster mom and adoptive mom, I know the joys of adopting children. I also understand the other things that come along whenever you care for children that come from hard places. It's not easy. And a lot of times you feel extremely isolated. You feel alone. You may have to make choices where you don't get to be with other people sometimes. You have to make choices where you are alone. And sometimes it gets pretty tough when you're in those trenches. And kids that have been through trauma are having hard and difficult times. And you're fighting on the front lines. And that's what foster and adoptive care is. You want to push back darkness? You want to fight the enemy? You do that. And I guarantee you, you will know what fighting the enemy is all about. You are, these people are in the trenches. They are fighting for the next generation. And what happens is a lot of times is burnout occurs. You can imagine, you know, if you're going through this fostering, you're, this is happening over and over again. The, real, the good foster parents, they get tired and they don't feel like they can do it anymore. And so that's where we come in. We want to come alongside of our foster and adoptive families. And we want to be like Moses, where Aaron and her came and they held up his arms. You know, we want to hold up. That's what the Lord gave me when I was talking, when I was preparing for this, is He He gave me this vision of Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms. And I could see foster families in our church and I couldn't see any faces, but I could see then people coming up behind them and holding up their arms and then not just holding up their arms, but other people coming behind them to hold up their arms. So nobody has to carry the load by themselves. And that's kind of the the point of taking care of our foster families. We want to come alongside them so they can do the hard work. Um, another thing that we want to do is we want to um, support our foster families um, We want to also encourage and help support those of you who maybe God is dealing with you that he's been, you know, the Holy Spirit's come along and you felt maybe that tinge of maybe you want to become a foster parent. We want to support you if that is something that God is dealing with you about. We want to help support and guide you in in the direction. And we have uh, Keith Howard here today with Circles of Care. And that's one of the things that, that they're really good at is getting around a foster family and help guiding them through the process. And so that's something else that we want to do. And then a big thing is we want to equip you, our church family, with opportunities to be able to minister outside of our church family and inside of our church family. So those are kind of the three big areas. And so how are we going to do this? That's, that was the big question. When we were praying about this, when we were talking about this, we came up with four main strategies that we, that we want to employ to be able to get this done. The first one is prayer. We want to make sure that all of our foster and adoptive families know that this church is praying for them. That when there is an urgent request, when something is happening in that home, they can call. We can notify the prayer team. We can notify people in the church and say, hey, this family needs prayer. They are going through something, and we are going to pray with them. That we are here to provide that prayer support for them whenever they need it. The, the second thing is we want to so provide support For all of our foster families and our adoptive families through like support groups, so like Facebook support groups, we want to be able to give them a place to vent, to be able to talk about how they're feeling without being judged around other people who may know exactly what they're going through or with other people who may can say, you know what, I dealt with that same thing and I found this resource or I have this advice. We want to be able to do that maybe through Facebook support group and also in-person support groups. We want to provide respite. Respite is another word for rest. We want to provide some opportunities where our families can just have a time when they can just have some peace and some rest. We can take care of their kids for a while. We can just let them breathe so that they can be rejuvenated and recharged and be able to come back and say, Okay, I can do this now. I can carry on. And the last one. Really important and exciting, Brother Jamal mentioned it, is Care Portal. We want to start using Care Portal. Care Portal is a tool that we are going to start using where we can get all of the information out to you when somebody has a need. And the cool thing about it is they're vetted needs. So how many of you have ever, you say, I want to help. I really want to help, but I just, I don't know if that's a legitimate need. You know, I don't know if, if I'm just giving to something that's not going to matter. All the needs that come through Care Portal have been vetted by somebody. Most of the time, a social worker. And you're going to know that that is a legitimate need that you are meeting. So an example of how Care Portal will work is it works through an email system. So we would send out an email to our church family saying that there is a single mother who is, she is being reunited with her daughter. She has worked very, very hard to overcome all obstacles She is at home and she's got a job and she's paying her bills and she's got everything she needs to be able to get her two year old daughter back into her home, but she hasn't been able to afford a toddler bed. She needs a toddler bed. We put that need out, and maybe somebody here says, Well, I have a toddler bed in my garage that I've been needing to get rid of. You can respond to that request. You can deliver that bed. You can pray over that bed. You can pray over that child. You can pray over that mother. And you can already begin to deliver that, and you can already begin to plant that seed. You can meet an external need. It's not somebody that's in our church. It's not somebody that we know, but it's somebody that we can reach out to. That's the type of thing that can happen with Care Portal. The second thing that can happen is we can meet internal needs. We can say we have a new foster family in our church that's just been certified, and they get the DHS worker that's called, and they said, you're getting a two-year-old you know, tomorrow. And they say, well, we don't have anything. And we can put that need out to the church and say, these are the things that this foster parent needs. And instead of one person filling the load of having to get everything, we can all pitch in to help that foster family get on their feet and get started. So, we all share the load. We all hold up the arms. And in doing that, We can support this mission of reaching out. You know, if we don't reach this next generation, we don't reach these next kiddos that are coming up, there's going to be big problems for all of us. We have—it's our responsibility as the church to support this ministry. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I, I just know that this is going to be something that is going to excite our church, that we can get behind, something that we can know that what we're doing, it's impacting the kingdom of God. And I am so excited about that. Um, today out in the foyer you will have the opportunity to sign up for one of those three things so either I need to know if you're a foster adoptive parent so that I can get in touch with you so that we can minister to you there will be a sign up for that there's a QR code or you can just put your name your information down on the list secondly if you are a person here who is interested in becoming a foster parent if God is dealing with you about that you want more information there is a sign up sheet for you out there same thing as well and then if you're a person here that says, you know, I'm not a foster adoptive parent. I don't really feel like I'm at a place in my life where I can be a foster parent, but I desperately want to support this mission. I want to support what these people are doing. There will be a sign-up sheet for that. So we need you to, to sign down, and if for some reason you can't get to it, I'm here every week, every Wednesday night, back in the back in, in Kids Church. And you can come by and say, Dana, this is my information. I'll get you down on the list. So thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to you. And you know, foster and adoption care. it. It has a lot of different stories. It looks a lot of different ways. Doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to. Sometimes we can intervene in a matter before it even gets to foster care. And that's a story that happened in this church. So we're gonna watch a video of a testimony about adoption that comes from right here in our church home.
3: Hey, I'm Jeremy Wiley and I'm in law enforcement.
4: I'm Cynthia Wiley, and I'm a teacher, a PE teacher. Of course, a police
3: officer picks a teacher.
4: Of course. Of course. So this is our story of how we came to have our third child, baby Elizabeth Rose. Um, we always, well, I First always kind First name Elizabeth,
3: thought,
4: my baby. Thank you. <laughs> Ever since we got married, um, God has kind of put it on my heart and mind that eventually we would Um, adopt a baby. And he's always had to hear about it, but it's never presented an opportunity before um, until this past Mother's Day, um, sitting in church and Pastor John opens with Psalm 139, which happens to be me and God's chapter. Then me and God's chapter since college, every time I hear it, I just perk up and pay attention. What are you saying, Lord? Pastor John then goes on to say that, um, talking about foster care and adoption. So here I am, okay, Lord, I know you put this on my heart like a decade ago and here you are presenting it again that this is gonna be something that you want me to do and maybe maybe now is the time. He had had to work during church that day, but that night I told him, I felt like God was literally saying, Cynthia, if I start moving these pieces into place, I need you to know that it's me. His response was, okay, I'm glad God is talking to you. He knows what it would take to get me on board. He's gotta to talk to me too.
3: When I was brand spanking new on the department, uh, we had to check the welfare at a, at a motel. Guy opens the door and he's got this newborn baby in his arm and he's got a bottle in the same arm with a cigarette between his fingers feeding this baby. I looked in the door and I see drug paraphernalia all over the counters. I already know I'm taking this baby, but I didn't want him to know that because if it turns into something different, I have to fight over this baby, it'd be bad. So I get the baby and I walk and my partner already knows what I'm gonna do. And you know, and she takes over and starts talking to him. So here I am in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I, I told DHS and the family, I said, if you can't find somebody to take this baby, I will take this baby home. You know, that was always on my heart. You know, it'd have to be personal in that type of a manner.
4: God was showing me I didn't need to, it wasn't my responsibility to make it happen, but it was just my responsibility to just pray for my husband and um, he was gonna take care of the rest. And in my mind, I thought, well, maybe, you know, before next Mother's Day, Something's gonna, there's gonna be a need arise, either one of my students or maybe one of his calls, there'll be something. But that Wednesday, like that Wednesday, we come up to church for Bible study. There's a couple sitting across from us. The, the lady gets up to go take a phone call. So she comes back from her phone call and was like, I'm sorry guys, I had to take that because it was my daughter and she never calls me. But. She called me Mother's Day to let me know that she's actually pregnant, very pregnant, and wondering if we could take the baby. But they were praying if there was a younger couple in the church that could take the baby, because they already had the three-year-old, and they were hoping that somebody in the church could adopt this now-coming baby to keep the new baby in the brother's life. The mom had not been to any appointments, at all their best guess was that she was going to be due early july a couple weeks later um, because michelle knew that she had a serious couple interested you know we were able to tell her hey can she get to a doctor's appointment like that's that's really important for us to kind of know what's going on here we find out that the baby is actually due not in the beginning of july but in the middle of june
3: it it starts becoming more real and more serious as we talk with the family and Cynthia and I talked and Cynthia prayed and she's always had a, a faith. Stronger than mine. Just because you ask for God to give you something or do something for you doesn't mean that he's gonna do it right then and there. It still has to fall in with his will and that's where the faith and stuff comes in. That Maybe this is not just because you're praying for it doesn't mean that it's meant for you. You know, but God will give you your answers in the way that He feels that you need to receive them. I finally, I just started texting a couple of different people. And I didn't even tell them what I was struggling with. I just told them, I said, hey, I need you to pray for me. I said, I feel like my worries are so loud I can't hear if God's talking to me or not. And. went to church that Sunday, nobody said anything. Nobody was talking about anything to do with adoption or anything like that. We, we just started singing, and man, God got loud me, and he told me, he's like, how's it okay for you to choose what baby you want to take home, but it's not okay for me. so at that point, I knew that God was telling me that this is what He wanted me to do.
4: We had people praying for us, something so cool. My uh, little sister Sabrina, this is back before we even knew about the the circumstance she knew michelle before i did and was praying for the baby and praying for the circumstance before we even knew about it how cool is that like god is not only lining up every piece of the puzzle but he's lining up your prayer warriors for you behind the scenes to be praying for you about it the cherry on top we came home with rose on father's day so that was just cool god spoke to us on mother's mother's day and came home with her on father's day and that was like the whole time period
0: that we have God is so amazing how he works these circumstances out Right now, I want to invite Rebecca Howell to come up. She is a missionary associate with a district of Oklahoma working for Backyard Orphans, the organization that we're partnering with to launch Legacy Hope. Legacy Hope, as you've already heard today, is our foster adoption care. And if you want any more information about it, please see Dana uh, or uh, a Circle of Care in our foyer or uh, anybody here is now qualified to answer any questions because we're telling you what's going on. We're so glad that you're here and we're glad to welcome Rebecca Howe. Would you help me welcome her?
5: Good morning, y'all. We are so excited to be here. It's just a great day. I'll tell you on the Backyard Orphans team, we like to refer to these Sundays, launch Sundays, as Super Bowl Sundays. So like, You guys have been training and preparing and building things behind the scene and praying behind the scenes. And I know that there's just so much that goes into making this day happen, both physically and behind the scenes spiritually. So I'm just excited. My husband leaned over and whispered to me earlier, which he always does this, because he knows I get nervous and he's very, very sweet, my big cheerleader. He says, you got this. And I lean back and I whisper, because I'm just sitting there in awe of everything that the Lord's already done before we got here. And I'm like, the Lord's already done it. I just get a front row seat. So I'm so excited this morning just to be with you and to witness and affirm what the Lord is already doing here in your church. You guys have incredible leadership here. Your pastor is casting vision. That's just incredible. That fits with your church's culture. It's honoring where you've been while getting excited about where you're going. Um, You guys are just so blessed to have a pastor that and leadership in general that values family so much. From the moment we walked in this morning and just your announcement, I can see how much you value family, right? You've got a date night coming up that shows me that you value kids ministry and you value marriages, which are the cornerstone of families. You've got widows ministry. You've got kids up on the stage. You're celebrating the gifts of the Lord because family is a gift from the Lord. Um, I've got some of my heroes with me this morning, some of my family. Mom and grandma, wave your hands. That's my mom and my grandma. (laughs) Um, So excited they're here with me this morning. They are pillars of faith. I know the Lord largely because of them. Um, And I'm just so excited that they're here. I couldn't be doing the ministry that I'm doing if it weren't for their constant support, sacrifice, and prayers. So super excited that they're here to celebrate with us this morning. My husband's here, Scott, wave. That's Scott. Isn't he cute? He's so nice. Um, Scott is actually a... Um, has about six years worth of experience in social work. So he is a fantastic ministry partner for me. I'm so, so thankful. He is my hero. Again, I could not do this ministry if it weren't for everything that he does for me every single day. And family's a gift from the Lord, right? Our family's growing. Um, if you wanna hop to slide after next, um, baby Hal is on the way, arriving July this year, um, give or take. So we're super, super excited about that. Family is a gift, right? It's a gift from the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord. And it's important to know that like that's something that's so close to God's heart is family. On this side of heaven and the next, we're designed for family, right? And it's important to know that when we look at the world because it makes it even more heartbreaking that around the world today, there are 140 million children without family, that's a huge number. And if you've grown up in church and you've you know heard from a lot of world missionaries and stuff, this number, unfortunately, might not be shocking to you anymore because you may have heard it a lot of times. But what you might not have heard as frequently is that here in the US, we have 400,000 children in foster care. Um, these 400,000 kiddos have been removed from their family due to neglect or abuse. They don't know usually if it's gonna be six months or six years, which is really hard and really scary. Uh, and while most of these children usually aren't traditionally orphaned, usually both of their parents are not deceased, I will tell you that anybody who's taken away from their family, whether it's necessary or unnecessary, feels orphaned. They need family. They need family. Out of those 400,000 children, 100,000 are available for adoption. That means that for these 100,000, tragically their family will never their family of origin will never be able to provide a safe home for them to return to so they have permanently lost the family that they came from that's a tragedy adoption is beauty for ashes it's beauty for ashes it's tragic it's messy and it's beautiful all at the same time it's not one or the other There's still a lot of kiddos, right? We've gone from 140 million down to 100,000. But the good news is that God's already put a solution here. There are 350,000 churches in the U.S. 350,000. The problem is solvable, right? Here in Oklahoma, you guys, the numbers are even closer. Right now, we have about 6,585 kiddos in foster care. This is as of January 1st, the numbers could have already changed. They could change while I'm on the stage right now talking to you, that's how inflex it is. Out of those 6,585, about 371 are available for adoption. Do you guys know how many Assembly of God churches we have in Oklahoma? Like 463, 462, somewhere in there? We have more Assembly of God, just Assembly of God churches in Oklahoma, than we do kids available for adoption. Problem solvable. Problem is solvable. And here in Oklahoma, outside of the assemblies, guys, we have 6,668 churches. Whoa. Oklahoma has a gorgeous, flourishing, healthy, spirit-filled church. It is honestly an honor to get to minister here because the church is so vibrant, right? And guys, this is one of those few months where I get to say, Right now, there's technically more churches than in Oklahoma than there are kids in foster care. That means that if every single church would get engaged, if every single church would just support one family, one, that chose to foster or adopt, we would have families lined up and waiting instead of kids lined up and waiting, lined up waiting for families. And the tragedy is that right now we have the opposite. We don't have enough families, There's a huge deficit of families, we're losing families, and there's not enough space for the children who need a place to stay, whether it's for a season or for a lifetime. And that should not be a case, that should not be the case in a place where the state is this numerous, this big, right? If we really do believe in the gospel, and if we really do wanna live out the gospel in a way that's pleasing to God, There's a lot of different ministries in this space, and so I wanna really briefly tell you what Backyard Orphans does so you know what piece of the pie we are, right? Your church is gonna create all these support ministries, has created all these support ministries they are gonna wrap around and support your families. Um, Circle of Care is here, and they're gonna license families that are um, choosing to foster or adopt. Keith, are you in the room? Hey! (laughs) So Keith Howard is back there. He is a fantastic resource for you with Circle of Care. Circle of Care is an amazing organization. But what Backyard Orphans does is we work as a bridger and a builder. Everybody say bridger. And builder. Great. So as a bridger, if you wanna hop to the next one, um, as a bridger, we help build a bridge between these three different entities and the local church so that you can minister effectively to kiddos. Um, So the first bridge we, we build is between the local church and the government, which some people get a little bit nervous about, right? Separation of church and state, there's a line in the sand Church plays over here, state plays over here, and we try not to mess with the line too much for very good reason. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you want to reach a group of children, you have to have a working relationship with their parents, right? If there's any teachers in the room, if we've got our kidmen folks in the room, youth men folks in the room, you know, you got to have some kind of working relationship, just a little bit of trust there so that you have access to those children to minister to them. While a child's in foster care, their legal guardian is actually not their foster parent. It's the government. So in order to minister to those children, you've got to have a working relationship with the government. So we work to build a bridge with local Oklahoma DHS, with your local child welfare, so that you have access to minister to those kiddos. We also help build a bridge between the local church and a good licensing agency, which is why Circle of Care is here this morning. We're super excited for you guys to get to work with them. They're going to serve you very very well and they're going to take really good of the families in this room that choose to foster or adopt the final bridge we build is with local and global missions opportunities so that you can reach those 140 million orphans around the world so that's the bridger part the builder part is what we're doing this morning it's where we come in and we work with the church and we help you develop a ministry in-house in your church that's going to wrap around and support families who choose to foster or adopt there's a really strong scriptural basis for this. If you want to hop over to James, really strong scriptural basis. We're going to just read the scripture this morning, but just so you guys know, we could spend the whole morning doing nothing but going back to Mosaic law and reading scripture after scripture and story after story where God looks not at the government, not in an institution, not at an organization, not even at a missionary. <laughs> he looks at the church. He looks at you and me and he says that it is our job, our responsibility to look out for widows and orphans, to look out for those who need family. James one twenty seven says religion that God accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The word religion here isn't referring to a stale tradition or a practice or even a ritual. What it is referring to is a faith that puts you into motion Remember the statement that we say a lot, faith without works is dead. dead, right? So this is the opposite of that. This is when your faith is producing works, when it's activating you. The term God our Father is the most relational term for God in all of Scripture. It's Abba, and we often translate it as Father, but really it's even more personal and intimate than that, and it's more like Daddy. It's more like when a little kid comes running up because they skin their knee and they're screaming, Daddy. That's the word here. And the term to look after, that's a Greek word. And um, some translations say look after. Some translations say to visit. It's a little hinky. Um, The most accurate thing, what it really says, is just to be where they are. So when it says to look after orphans and widows in their distress, it literally means to be with somebody in their suffering. Just be with them. And that's what your church is stepping up to do. So what what Paul is saying here is that if we're living out our faith in a way that's acceptable before our Father, it means we're going to go be with orphans and widows. That's where we're going to be. That's the work that we're going to be doing. That's the work work that our faith is going to produce if it's really pure and faultless before the Father. We're really fortunate right now in Oklahoma that... um, Oklahoma DHS is led by a spirit-filled powerhouse of a Christian. Dr. Deborah Shropshire is incredible. What a blessing she is to the entire state, to families across the state. She's doing a fantastic job in the face of unimaginable obstacles. She really is. But even she will tell you, the government makes a terrible parent. The government makes a terrible parent. They're not meant to be parents. But that's because it's not their job. They have a legal obligation to look out for the well being of children. You and me have a scriptural obligation. We have a biblical obligation before our Father to look out for those in need of family. And nobody should be better at family than the church. Nobody should be better at, the, at family than the church. I wanna tell you guys a quick story. Hop over to upstream opportunity. There's three friends and they're walking in the woods. They hear a sound. They try to find where the sound is coming from. As they get closer to where the sound is coming from, they realize that the sound is the sound of children crying. Eventually they find the place where the sound is coming from and they see that it's a river and there's thousands of children caught in this river and they're washing downstream. The three friends just kind of look at each other and then they get to work without talking because there's no time to talk, there's children perishing. The first friend climbs and manages to get himself to the bottom of the waterfall and he starts pulling out children who are hurt. He gives them first aid and he dresses their wounds the best he can. The second friend just jumps right in knee deep, right where they're standing and he starts pulling kids out of the river before they fall down the waterfall. The third friend turns and he sprints and he runs upstream. He runs and he runs. Eventually he finds the place where kids are falling in and he stands there and he doesn't let any more children fall in. When I tell an individual that story, I'll ask them a question and I typically get one of two responses. I'll ask, who do you think did the most valuable work that day, the most important work? And I get one of two responses. The first one is the one that I think is most correct, right, the most accurate. And that's that, all three friends did equally valuable work because none of those lives were more valuable than any others and they were all in need of saving. And I think that's right. But the other answer that I get to that question sometimes is a knee-jerk reaction. And they'll say, the friend who ran upstream. I'm not here to tell you that foster care ministry is more important than ministry further down the line, ministry to adults. I'm here to tell you that there's something to be said for moving upstream. Children who spend time in foster care desperately need the gospel and desperately need family. Desperately. They're at a much higher risk for bigger challenges later in life. They're not doomed. They are children of the King and they can have an abundant and beautiful life purpose-filled life. But there's a study from UCLA from 2019 that says that 82% of human trafficking victims in the U.S. spent time in foster care, 82%. Um, About 50% of our homeless population spent time in foster care, and 75% of the incarcerated right now spent time in foster care in the U.S. Most state prisons actually set their annual budget Based on that number, based on how many kids are set to age out of foster care. We need to step in. The church needs to step in. I wanna read you guys one more scripture, and we're gonna get ready to pray together. Psalms 68, 5 through 6 says, A father to the fatherless, and a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in institutions. (laughs) No, God sets the lonely in families. You guys, that statement in and of itself, God sets the lonely in families is the gospel. I want you to know this morning that God our father is an adoptive father. You and me were lonely, We were orphaned and we were doomed. And he set us in his family. He paid an unimaginable price. Our adoption was expensive, very expensive. He sacrificed his son to pay for our adoption and give us a seat at the table, the royal table as sons, as daughters. And then Christ rose from death to give us new life. If you're in the room this morning and you didn't know that you were adopted, you haven't started a personal relationship with Jesus, you haven't taken your place as a son, as a daughter, as an heir, I wanna give you that opportunity. It's a really good day to take your place in God's family it's a really great day to take your place in God's family. across the room we could just bow our heads for just a moment and close our eyes. If that's you this morning, and you would like to take your place in God's family this morning, you'd like to make Christ your Lord and Savior, would you just lift your hand? I just don't wanna let the morning slip by without giving you that opportunity. All right, y'all look at me real quick. This next part then, I'm gonna assume that every single one of you knows who you are. You are a son, you are a daughter, you are an heir. The question that I wanna ask you is what's your reaction to that? What's your response? How is that gonna activate you? How's that gonna move you? How's that gonna change you? because it should, it should. There's probably some of you in the room this morning, I know you guys guys already have families who have chosen to foster adopt. If you're in the room this morning and that's you, you've already made that decision, you're already living that, we wanna affirm you. That is a divine calling. You are living out spiritual warfare you are a home missionary. You have welcomed the mission field into your living room for 24 seven discipleship. And this church is gonna wrap around you and love you and support you. And they're gonna serve you. They're gonna serve you. If you're in the room and you're getting a little itchy in your seat, cause you know I'm about to ask if anybody wants to foster or adopt and you're uncomfortable. I just want everybody to breathe a sigh of relief because I'm not gonna whip back a curtain. I didn't bring kids with me today. You're not taking one home today, it's okay. So you're good. <laughs> That's not how it works. But the other thing that I want you to do, if you're in this room and you're feeling that discomfort, or maybe you've already made pe- maybe you're not uncomfortable. Maybe you're like, ask the question, I'm gonna get my hand up. <laughs> But if you're in the room and you think that you as a family are gonna make the decision to foster or to adopt, I just want you to look around the room at all of these people and realize that this is your support team. I want you to realize that the Lord has already gone before you. He's already working it out. He's already providing for your needs. He's already providing for people to reach out to you when you're at your low point. Foster care is really hard. Adoption is really hard. The Lord does not call us to comfort. He doesn't need to call us to comfort. We get there on our own pretty easy. He does call us to combat. He does call us to combat. If you're in the room and you would say, I think the Lord's speaking to us. I think we're gonna foster, or we at least need to find out more about fostering or adopting. Would you slip up your hand? We want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come down here. I just want to pray over you. All right. If you're in the room and that was you, please remember that we've got um, Circle of Care Keith Howard out here. You got to go talk to him. You got to talk to him this morning because he's gonna help you with all the technical stuff. Answer all your questions about, can I have a dog? Do I have to put a fence around my pool? Do I have enough square feet? All that stuff. <laughs> um, and you're also gonna wanna talk to Dana because Dana's gonna make sure that you're connected with the supports that this church is already building for you, okay? And the rest of you, that scripture still applies. James one twenty seven still applies to you. If you're not gonna foster or adopt, I implore you to ask the Lord how, you want, how you're going to support those who do. Not if you're going to, but how you're going to. Because those families desperately need your love and your support. I just want to say a quick prayer over you guys, and then I'm going to just step off the stage, and Pastor's going to come close you in just a few minutes, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for Legacy Hope. I thank you so much for what you're birthing in this church, for what you've already done. God, I just pray that you would continue to affirm the families who are called to foster adopt, and that you would continue to wrap them in your presence, that you would send your Holy Spirit to comfort them, that you would raise up more and more people to hop onto these volunteer teams, to pray for them, to give them respite care, to give them support. I pray that your anointing would just be all over each and every one of these ministries, that you would move in each and every detail. I pray that their families, God, would be just blessings. God, I pray that their families would just be places of discipleship where people come to know you and love you. We praise you and we honor you and we give you glory for what you're already doing. Help for us to honor you in the way that we live it out, in the way that we serve each other and in the way that we serve our families. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you so much. Family, would you stand with me all over the place? We're so delighted that you are here today to hear about the heart that we have for our foster and adoptive care families. I know that the Lord, he takes time to move. And I'm very confident that not only is he moving on your hearts, but he's already preparing people in the community to partner with us. So, as a church and as a family, I pray that you continue to consider what the Lord would do in your heart and your life. And I can't wait to hear about all the stories and all the praise reports that come out of our ministry that we're launching today Legacy Hope. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's have a word of prayer as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, for welcoming us into your family. But Lord, today, Father, if we're made in your image and we look like you and we act like you, Lord, I pray, God, that we'd also adopt like you. I pray, God, that we'd foster. I pray, Lord, that we would engage, Lord, so that we could put the foster care system out of business in Oklahoma. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would put it on our hearts and our minds, Lord, to assist the church, to be the church. And I pray, God, that you do all of this, Lord, so that you could receive the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever. Now, Lord, bless us as we walk out of this place. May we be a people that find God, that give hope, and do life together. In Jesus' name, amen.